Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers. I'm your host, Kutuanus Kusana Ritchie. My guest today is a former DK, founder and director at the UK-based art agency IDD UK, which stands for Ideoblast Dynamic Development UK. She started this agency with a mission to take art beyond galleries and museums and make it more accessible to everyone, artists, collectors and the public alike. Before embarking on this road, Ifoma was a psychologist who had a passion for art, hosting events, traveling the world and connecting people. Her experiences as an art enthusiast and consumer left her with many questions about representation, expanding tastes and the accessibility of the market for working artists themselves. It didn't take long for her to see that there is a gap that needs filling and so she launched her agency with an exhibition for a corporate client and never looked back. In the 10 years that she's been doing her work at IDD UK, Ifroma has seamlessly incorporated her love for travel into her business operations, helped artists to create different revenue streams for their work, and landed some coveted works for some of her collectors. She also introduced unconventional ways of exhibiting and selling works, like creating blind portfolios for her clients. We go into the details about how and why that strategy has worked for her so far. We also find out how these choices have informed her business decisions from how she's structured to the types of projects she can get involved in. Born in Benin and educated and sometimes living in the United Kingdom, this is the nomadic art rebel, Ifoma Dike. How would you describe your work, both in practical terms and the deeper meaning you attach to, the, to your business activities? Describing my work, I think I, I would say that my work has changed a lot from where I started, you know, where my journey started. Uh, when I started, I wanted, I, I had questions, you know, I had questions, a lot of questions. I had a lot of hypotheses that I needed to prove or disprove. I wondered a lot about where the women were because, you know, they weren't, I go to, go to a gallery. A show a preview or event there are a lot of women working in the arts but when it comes to the artwork that is presented you barely see any women artists mm-hmm. you know and then I was wondering where the artists of color were you know uh, and then you know you come you see it's such a, an elitid space and everybody you know being very snobby and snooty mm-hmm. and just you know and I'm thinking, hmm, and I'm afraid that there are too many artists in the world and the people here are not definitely not enough to support that ecosystem. And, um, you know, my whole thing was to make art much more accessible and, if possible, to take art to a new audience um, who have disposable income that can support the ecosystem um, sustainably. Mm. And, and that was my, my journey. Um, I also wondered, you know, you go to this Venice or the art previews you see a lot is always packed with people there quaffing champagne and you know doing those high polluting talks and all that. <laughs> um, and and I'm, I, I just always remember asking the galleries, going, so what percentage of these people here buy art? And it was always met with a very dismal um, response. You know, mm, the percentage mm. was like really uh, very disappointing. And so I didn't want to do that. It was already quite difficult for any gallerist. You know, the overheads are huge. Um, the admin costs are huge. Mm-hmm. And now you have to do 
sort of social gatherings um, for more um, established galleries, they can afford it to be a selling because of, you know, and, and have the sort of high um, uh, uh, priced uh, uh, artists, you know, right. established artists, cheap artists. Um, or, you know, but when you're, or meet people, the people who also sell meat career artists, also some of them have, have the access to people who, or, you know, the, the companies, the beverage companies who could actually support them in that way. Mm-hmm. But there are the young, independent, up and coming galleries who are still struggling. Some of them have set up, have set up their galleries thinking that the art world is what they read or see the facade that they see, not knowing that it's much more difficult. And actually it's a, if you want to burn money fast, very fast, mm. just enter the art world. You know? Um, and so, sure. and, <laughs> so all that were just the things that bothered me. Yeah. I then thought it's a gap. It's a, it's a gap. Um, and what can I do to bridge that gap? Mm. And that was where I journey started and the you know meaning came for me so that was my purpose you know I'm already very passionate about art and you know creativity and all forms of art be they performance arts to visual arts and so on so I thought hmm, you know this could be um, something I could enjoy I also enjoy traveling it's something that I could you know I could actually mix both you know mm. where I could explore through travel parts of the world exploring the art scene so it's going, you know, it's a win-win for me, really. So um, it was how the, the journey started for me. And uh, over 10 years now, it's since sort of evolved into, you know, discovering more gaps and more opportunities and more, um, you know, for example, artists, you know, it, it's not easy to sell artwork, for example, and artists having to wait till they sell work, their artwork, to be able to pay their bills, you know. So for me, looking for alternative income mm-hmm. streams for them, mm-hmm. i.e., um, you know, using my platform to to create an alternative income stream by inviting them for in conversations with my, you know, at, at corporate or private events, um, you know, getting them to facilitate workshops and doing studio tours for my clients, which they get paid for. And so that can at least support them through um, the... Uh, right. Uh, so they still get to do something they love yeah. and while they're waiting exactly. for their work mm-hmm. yeah, while, to get exactly. sold. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, at least pay for the studio where they're, they're creating from and or buy material, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and yes, and also helping them in terms of pricing their work and, and, and you know, especially one people of color at the time, it's, you know, you see their work yeah. not worth that much compared to their, all that has changed now. Now they are much more expensive than their European counterparts, which is quite <laughs> yeah. That's what I wonder too. about, right? So, how is artwork priced? <laughs> I, I, for a lot of the artists, I think first and foremost, I keep saying to artists that we nobody can pay for your time. Mm. So just put that aside. But what they could do is start with the size of the work, you know, the materials they've used, and so on and so forth. You know, the the costings obviously don't want to be out of but not, let's not forget also that a lot of the galleries take 50%. That is like the standard. So, you know, yeah, who so. do you expose your artist clients to? Who are your other customers on the other end, the buying side? So my customers are everybody. As I said, I, my whole thing was to make art more accessible. Mm-hmm. And so taking it from who I think can afford it from, 
you know, young up and coming bankers, you know, to lawyers, to people working at uh, any job, you know, I always say there's always a art, there's art for everyone, you know, mm-hmm. so tell me your budget and I'll tell you where to go or what I can do for you. This is what I tell people. So I always, and of course I have my private and corporate clients and collectors, you know, citizen collectors that have been in the business way before I even started or some of them when I was before I was born. So, Mm. so, yeah, so so I have, but for me it was important to bring along young collectors, young uh, buyers, you know, just introduce art enthusiasts into the world without having to, you know, the art world is very daunting. Going to galleries for a lot of people um, is very daunting. Mm. And so inviting them and encouraging them to go to graduate shows instead where they can get acquainted with the artists, real artists, before they become famous or become, you know, before they they, they start meeting galleries or showing at galleries. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a great space, I thought, for, for them to start that whole journey. Before my other clients, I would take art to them. So before PDF became a thing, before you could send images, before I I, I came about using PDF. And even though at the time um, I was told that it was never going to happen, nobody would buy work. I just just by seeing it on a PDF, they would want to see it. You know, they would want to see the physical work. And this is why people have gallery spaces. So that people can come in. And I just said, well, if they need to, I have a, you know, I have I can find a you know place where they can view the work, so I don't have to set up a gallery for that. Mm. But the PDF system has worked for me. It's how I you know I I created a PDF and also I created a blind portfolio you know blind portfolio because I just didn't want people choosing artists that they that they were already familiar with or artists that is you know trending or whatever. I just wanted them to for me it was about nurturing uh, taste makers yeah. and and getting yeah. people to buy what they really and also helping you know and so by doing that it was so funny how it, it, a lot of the time they chose artists that they didn't even know was from a different uh, race or or woman or whatever it is you know in that way satisfying their need because i'm not having to force them to 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 um support a woman artist or uh, an artist exactly of color or, you know what i mean so mm-hmm. they were choosing to like which is which really should be how people buy work by what you really really like rather than because you're going to have to live with it for sure. as long as the work yeah. is you know and there, there are not always guarantees that you can sell work you know no matter what the artwork tells you that's exciting um, the virtual the, gallery yeah so do you yeah, have any clients yeah. that you've never met in person and you've just only you know spoken via whatever text and uh, via pdf I have a few of those clients. I have at least two or three of those clients. Um, but then they know my collector or know somebody, somebody that mentioned me. But I do have uh, one or two or three of those people. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, I think it's my passion. My passion just bores everybody. I mean, sometimes they're talking to me and they think we've met or we've known each other for a long time. I'm very passionate about this, this mm-hmm. what I do. and. Mm-hmm. You know, and also a lot of the work that I come across, they also are quite popular. They just, you know, if you don't make up your mind, it's up, it's gone. And so they always, you know, wanting to make sure that they have, yeah, move fast. Um, Just, I really do enjoy um, how I work because my father taught me always that business and philanthropy can happen simultaneously. And for me, it's always been about 
having a purpose in what I do and so mm-hmm. supporting the artist supporting the ecosystem while supporting or oh, helping myself as well developing myself and my purpose along the way because you know every time I sell work of course I get my commission uh, and so on and so forth from the galleries um so I it is you know people always think that helping others um, means you know neglecting yourself or not not focusing on yourself but I don't believe I don't think so you one could do both mm-hmm. and in my case it's Um, journey um, and it's worked very well for me. Um, Yeah. So are you working alone or do you have a team of people that you bring on board for different projects? Um, How are you structured? uh, So everybody who works with me have their own company. So they're all... um, Right, they're collaborators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just collaborators with me. So my logistics team, my art movers or handlers, people who work on behalf, maybe my admin team, you know, Everyone is it's it's so it is independent. I just never wanted an o- any overheads or have to manage that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hey man, that's a different beast yeah, altogether. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I never wanted to do that again. And so <laughs> this time, I made sure that I had the right recipe that would work for me and give me peace of mind. Yeah. Um, and so that that was how I went. And a lot of the all, all my the small businesses like mine, but they they work conscientiously. They they you know they're pro- true professionals. They you know I'm just so blessed with that, which means that whatever I am in the world, my my, my work continues. Do you understand? The business mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everybody's doing what they need to do. And if I'm not in the UK, when they're delivering work and for clients in the UK, for example, I have a local handler who mm-hmm. will do so and do the logistics. Um, you know, if I'm abroad, you know, and, and the work what's going to other parts of the world, to from Germany to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the Netherlands or to Lagos or to Ghana or coming from Ghana to the you know, South Africa or coming from South Africa, I don't have to worry. Right. You know, right. I just do not have to worry because I mm. have set it up in the in a way that just just keeps everything in motion mm. and so really yeah. professional, really reliably. So so I'm very fortunate quite frankly. Um, this is Shades and Layers. My guest today is Ifo Madike, founder and CEO of Ideoblast Dynamic Development, a UK-based art agency that brings art to those who cannot attend art galleries and museum exhibitions. In this next part of the conversation, she speaks about the transition from psychology to art agency founder, the things that make her effective as an art dealer, the freedom of not owning an art gallery, and tips on how to start your very own art collection. You transitioned from a completely different world. You know, what What were some of the challenges when you started up and said, hey, I'm going full into this. This is what I want to do. Uh, you, you must understand that the <laughs> journey from psychology to art <laughs> is in the traditional way of becoming an art professional. Yes. <laughs> so you can just imagine here. <laughs> The the, 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 the the sort of response mm-hmm. I got from mm-hmm. people <laughs> yeah. and, and the naysayers and the people who came with all sorts and the snobbery and the, you know, the, yeah, the doubt, the doubt. But, you know, all that, I, I just found it very, in fact, it made it more exciting for me and more, mm-hmm. it made me more determined. Um, but however, psychology has been 
quite instrumental in my in the success of my 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 business or how I work. Mm-hmm. You know, because you need psychology for everything, understanding people, either your clients, your gallery partners, um, your collaborators, you know, the artists, everybody. You know, dealing with my clients or dealing with people around my clients. Sometimes my clients are the easiest. So the people around them that mm-hmm. oh, I find the problem. Everybody come with various, you know, either ego or past struggle or suddenly want your work, uh, your job, or you make it look so easy that they think you can do the work and you think, oh, well, you can start up your business. But uh, what can I say? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, but, you know, psychology has been a, uh, a massive tool for me. You know, it's, it's been a skill that, that has allowed me to progress Outside my charisma. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, so what is it about you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm very passionate, you know, yeah, so um, yeah. I'm very charismatic too. So I think that helps, I suppose, you know, and I'm very honest. I think honesty, it's, it's, it's shocking for some people, it's, you know, as a lot of people are jolted by that and some people like it and so a lot of people a lot of people don't like it you know um but but that's their problem not my problem yeah um the whole idea of working for oneself is that you want to do things your way mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. want to absolutely yourself mm-hmm. in your way and mine is always about you know um i'm very inquisitive i, I like learning and i the idea of improving my cultural intelligence is so important and also improving the cultural intelligence of my clients mm-hmm. and the people around who are interested in the art, both young buyers and, you know, and, and seasoned collectors. Everybody knows when it comes to that. Mm. I love learning about other cultures and I love to connect cultures through arts. And if you, you can see that in some of the collections, you know, in the, when you go and see the collections of my some of my clients, you see that, you see their journey and how they've evolved since they met me. And I think they see the difference as well, which is why they're loyal to me. Um, sure. And they know that I'm very good at what I do. And also I have no loyalties. I mean, my loyalties to them and to the artwork, the artwork, really the artists, really. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is that I'm not tied to any gallery per se. So that it, my my work is not agenda driven. Yeah, um, you just have I this mission to fulfill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, yeah, there are challenges. Um, the, 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 there are challenges. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. What about the access to finance to you know to do what you do? Um, I mean, how have you funded your business? Oh, no, I self-funding, I just said after my first major corporate um, exhibition, which was a huge success, I remember the board, two members of the board wanted to fund me to set up a gallery. And I told them that it wasn't what was needed and what I needed. So, no, I just didn't want to be controlled and I didn't want to be influenced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I went, I did my way, self-funded, because I wanted absolute freedom. I wanted liberty, I wanted to be free from control be it psychological you know manipulations you know people do it i just wanted to be free mm-hmm. and so and i also wanted to create my own rules make my own path do things my way um just introduce something new and um if you have a funder they want to follow the traditional way of doing things they you know everybody likes people like to play safe nobody likes to question or be disruptive and I'm not that sort of person. So mm-hmm. it's 
about knowing thyself, really, just knowing yourself and knowing what works, what would you know, what works for you. As mm. Um, mm. A psychologist once said, uh, Tim Roth, I think he would, but you know, uh, apply what works for whom. So for me, it was just that, you know, doing what would work for me and applying what would work for other people. So um, it was so self funding uh, initially, but now the, the funding comes from my business, you know, obviously yep. when I reinvesting. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't, yeah, exactly. When I, I don't get retainers from my clients, but they, when they bring in the business, the additional service that we provide actually is what they bill for. That 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 at least has been um, sustained sustained my business. Um, uh, I think also because I just do not have that overhead. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, make no overheads. Mm-hmm. I think uh, sort of overheads that I have has to do with the travels and so on, and and every project that I go to eventually bring something back in so we we yeah somehow it's all it's uh, yeah just yeah, just self-funding and, and and being wise uh with, with one's fiscal finance really mm-hmm. yeah. mm. so if i wanted to start an art collection and i came to consult with you what's the best thing i could do for myself as a beginner how would you advise me to start i would say to you I think you should just go around and get acquainted with, you know, galleries. And if you find the galleries too daunting and you have no artists that you know that introduce you to other artists who may have studios because you could go and visit, you know, artist studios as well. And then you find, you know, universities where you have, uh, you know, art universities and find out when their graduate shows are. And then start from there because you can actually buy from the graduate shows and it's usually more cheaper buying you know, at graduate shows than, than anywhere else. Um, and um, and just start, start, start there, start from there. Start, you know, um, again, going around to those places also allows you to see and know what you like and what like and what you don't. And, and, and the things that, you know, the, what fascinates you about the things you're seeing, the sort of, you know, work you're seeing and, and so on and so forth. So I would say that getting yourself acquainted well, with the artists more than the galleries, because obviously that might be sure. Just going to see work whenever you can, and then just see what moves you. Mm. And then, because mm. obviously in the interactions with artists also would um, give you more information and educate your mind about the art, you know, and how the, 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 it works to a certain extent, and what you really like. And how much, you know? <laughs> Obviously, when you're talking to an artist and you're in an artist's studio and you see something you like, you're going to ask how much it is. If you have the, the funds, you know, the disposable income, of course, you may make a, a quick decision. And if you don't, again, it's about negotiating, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. now, nowadays, you can pay for art that you like instrumentally. You know, you don't have to pay all at once, um, you know. Yes, yeah, I, uh, I, think yeah, I saw the deals pay. like that, yeah. It's more, you know, the whole making of art accessible, the whole diversification, people, all the things that people thought were impossible. Look at COVID now. COVID actually taught even the institutions that, oh, my God. So everybody who frowned upon the, the, the disruptive way approach of some are now embracing those approaches or those ways mm. because some mm. of those, you know, um, there is, I believe that there are, there are multiple ways of achieving the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So who are you excited about in the art world right now? The art world is huge. 
And so getting excited, I think that's a cliche thing. Mm-hmm. The art world is huge. I mean, you go to those art fairs or you go to places. So I went to Congo, for example, uh, to visit Cap PC, this uh, you know, young community of artists, mm-hmm. uh, sculpture, sculptors who um, formed a, uh, you know, a collaboration with a, an artist from the Netherlands. He's a mm-hmm. filmmaker as well. And they've created this uh, a white cube in this village, you know. Mm-hmm. And what they do is, but for the works, proceeds from the work they sell abroad, they take some of it to buy back some of their lands that the, you know, plantation work, you know, owners mm. like, like Unilever bought over the years, and they've created their own community, and you know, they, they generate their own electricity, they you know, grow their own food, they have like a farm, everything there. It's very self-sufficient, so that. much so that they are even providing jobs for other villages. I mean, when I was there, every morning you, you see a gathering of about 45 people from various parts of the local villages, other villages coming there for work. And I was thinking to myself, actually, oh my God, you know, we actually, people do take for granted the input of artists in, 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 the, in our general economy. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, the art market now. We're just talking about artists, you know, mm-hmm. what they do, their contribution. Just imagine the, the, the job, local jobs that they've generated. And I thought to myself, you know, if you think about the UN, I have never been to any UN anything where they talk about art or what they contribute to, to us, you know, uh, the creative industry, especially to visual artists. Yet, I would tell you that those visual artists take at least three areas of the you know, SDGs, and they get nothing for it. They don't even get any sort of uh, mm. formal, formal uh, acknowledgement. Nobody knows this thing. And and it saddens me, you know, because artists also are active contributors to their local economies and, and, and you know, and they need to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. I think, I think mm-hmm. they need more support from institutions like that. Um, but, hey, um, uh, <laughs> So this yes, is I, this I, is what excites you, <laughs> like seeing the yes, the, the power and the impact of yes, art. Yeah, yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the impact of art. You know, it's not an easy uh, journey to make, but I enjoy it. You know, and where I go to, you have no champagne to be. <laughs> There's no champagne <laughs> There's no swelling about on the red carpet. <laughs> Broken bridges and so on, or or going through the places like uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina where they have this, you know, mountains and tiny, you know, <laughs> treacherous roads that you have to drive, tiny mm. lanes, yeah. or, in, or 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 broken where it, it's it. But I love that. It's all part of what I enjoy. Yeah. You know, for me, yeah. it's real. It's just and and the the impact of what I do and just meeting this before and helping. I know how many artists unknown artists full of talent that I've supported that are in the collection of a lot of my collectors. And I have to thank my collectors actually for believing in me because mm. without them, a lot of what I, do, I can't do. I mean, if it, uh, during COVID, I know what, how much support they gave to artists and artists who were also supporting the uh, uh, poor people, you know, people who, people who were going through about, about, about times uh, during COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so I'm so grateful. I'm just so fortunate to have the collector base that I have. 
They they mm. understand me. They support me. They support my values. They support my you know my agenda. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And the idea of business and philanthropy appeals to them hugely, and, and mm-hmm. they support mm-hmm. that. Mm. Um, and I think it's also where I'm fortunate because because of that they really do not question me because they see in my action not just what I'm not big on words I don't know you talk to right <laughs> but when it comes to saying the things that I do and the details it makes me so uncomfortable which is why you know I got uh, an email from Artsy and they were showcasing apparently they've been parading this beautiful piece that we bought of Kendi Wiley and normally, on a note, you know, the yeah. old former me would just ignore all that. And I thought, you know what? No, actually, that piece was, you know, I, 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 I got that piece. Right. <laughs> I actually quite my clients. So yes, I nice. did. So I should mm. be proud of it. Quite frankly, mm. if artsy thinks it's a big deal, and it's you know, and apparently it's been a very popular piece at the fair, and and for a lot of people, I didn't even know that. Mm. And I'm thinking no. It is me now, you know. I bought that piece, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and my flat, my client didn't have to fly in to see the work. I took a picture and I said, "Yeah, this is a powerful piece." Blah blah blah. And now is, I said, "Okay, should we get it?" I said, "Yes, it's important. It's an important piece. Plus, we, we we've always wanted it kind of early, and uh, not um, there's a waiting list and also sure, <laughs> I can imagine, yeah." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we made it very, very fast, <laughs> quick, yeah. quick move because mm-hmm. he also wanted a, a, a bar and, and it, within half an hour of, you know, going back and forth, it was sold. And that was my fault because um, I was running around and didn't see his message come in. And so we were too late for that, but at least we got a while. One of the things that Ifoma highlights about the nature of the art world is that there is a lot of dishonesty perhaps more so than in any other professional field. Although we do not go into too many details about some of the smoke and shadows she has encountered on her journey, she does point out that you must be courageous and dare to stand up for your principles. She accredits her principled approach to business to her late father, who was a sculptor enthusiast, and her tenacious mother, who is the family photographer and a successful entrepreneur herself. Let's get a quick glimpse into Uforma's childhood and thoughts about a memoir and biopic. Do you have any, you know, one or two memories or stories that you'd like to share that can give us insight into what shaped you as a person, as the person you are today? I am very private, but, you know, I I would say that I have... The memories of my childhood is very, very happy, I think. Um, But I had a father who was... I think I'm very much my father's daughter, and I, I, I think I took my parents' genes because also my mother is super independent, uh, super successful in her business, and so on and so forth. So um, I would say that, but when you, when it comes to the whole philanthropy and business thing, that was definitely from my father, and also the adventure thing. My father loved enjoyed traveling a lot. Um, but it's only not in, not abroad, but mostly to his yeah. hometown. Hey. It's not that <laughs> in foreign things. You know, he just believes in developing his own <laughs> and helping his own communities and so on. So, um, and I saw that. I think I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm from the east of Nigeria where Ibo's, even though I was born and raised in Benin and I came to the UK for my university. Um, 
we used to go every home every Christmas, you know, mm. to the east every Christmas. Mm-hmm. I just remember the trips to uh, Ugota Lake. It's a lake in the east of Nigeria where everybody goes on, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic place to, to be mm-hmm. um, at Christmas, especially on our festive season in Nigeria. And in the east especially, it's very hot. It's really so much fun, you know, mm. very lively. And so that's that's really my childhood. Um, I, I have um, I have been taught well. And yeah. I, I, my values and the, you know, it's nice. so funny. I was speaking to somebody the other day, you know, talking about art and the things we take for granted, especially when you're not in the field. Like my parents were not necessarily collectors. My father loved um, sculptures, but then wooden sculptures. But mm-hmm. it's what part of his design for its door or something that is, you know, he uses for his interiors and so on. So, but my mother was uh, a photography, she loves taking photographs. I mean, right. she was obsessed. Mm. She was obsessed with photography. And now, you know, with my sort of uh, creative idea, <laughs> I look at her differently. Like, right, right. You know, she was really uh, a photographer yeah. in her own yeah. right, an mm-hmm. artist photographer, but, you know, focusing on her own family and so on. But she she enjoyed taking, she was quite obsessed with, it, with, with photography, to be honest. Yeah, um, the archivist. And so, yeah. <laughs> exactly. She exactly. She is. She is. Yeah, a bit of a hoarder too. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm a cluttery kind of person. Even though I think I have the tendency to hoard, I think that's the reason why I keep everything. <laughs> but yes, it's um. Yeah, I have a, a yeah mm, solid foundation. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you had to tell your life story in a memoir, what would you call it and why? Oh, <laughs> perhaps maybe the uncharted ventures of a lone woman. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I don't know why. I love adventures and I love to do a lot of things by myself. Yay. You know, I like, you know, I like, you know. Roads less tra- less traveled. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I want to be a trendsetter, not to follow. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. I want to yeah. I I get excited about doing my own thing and exploring and finding my own way. I just you know I like uncharted ventures. I'm not uh, I'm not very good at copying, and so it will be something uncharted, <laughs> and it will be adventure. <laughs> and mostly <you> know. <laughs> because you know when you're traveling with people you have to put up with a lot oh well let's stop here oh let's do this and let, you know so yeah after a while it doesn't become quite fun anymore <laughs> you don't yeah. always have you know it's uh, i have a friend that um enjoys my adventure i have one or two friends who yeah, I could actually go away with them. We'll have so much fun. Mm, and they join you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, I just want to, and people are too scared. I'm not scared. Fear does not come into anything for me. Sure. If they have fine fear in my life, that would be the end of me. For I, sure. I mean, it paralyzes you. So, yeah. Mm. But the places I go to requires courage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to places where people do not even look like me, like mm. a tiny village than my own village <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> having 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 navigated through the most treacherous uh, treacherous roads and so on 
yeah. and and you know you find yourself still alive and you're thinking oh my god <laughs> or going through borders you know sure. <laughs> borders yeah and of course yeah gosh are you insane mm-hmm. you know i've had mm-hmm. friends from the same place who go gosh you're brave I w- i'm from here but i wouldn't even dare <laughs> 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 so be warned before you book that ticket <laughs> to go away yes. with Ifoma. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, be warned, be warned, you know, be warned. So, so then if that, you had to pick someone to play your character in your biopic, who would it be? Which actress would you pick? I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the, the person is yet to be born, so I'd have mm-hmm. to play myself. Yeah, it takes courage. To be this is the first it time I've courage. heard this. Uh, this answer, nice. Yeah. Mm. It takes courage to be me. It takes a lot of courage. It's not easy. Mm. Um, and I'm sure people think, oh, you'd have your life easier if you'd been this. And maybe, perhaps, but I'm happier this way. Mm. But it takes courage. You know, it takes courage to stand up to people. It's really in the in the in this in our in our field, the sector. It takes courage to be yourself. It takes courage to stand by the things you, you know, by your values and your, yeah. It, it, so, yeah, it, it takes courage. Mm-hmm. It also takes courage to stand by other people. You know, it is why we've seen a lot of all sorts of atrocious things happen. And, look, you know, we have all these bystanders doing that thing. So it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I will be the first person to say that. Yeah, and I'm also, I can be quite impulsive, but I love fun. I, sure. Mm. I love fun, I'm, you know. Um, so, why, yeah, well, being authentic is so, so important to me. Yeah. Um, it is so funny that, you know, yeah, I, when I was starting out, I would never forget this man, Mr. Arnold Ekbe, he was the former CEO of Ecobank. He had come from mm-hmm. Citibank. Mm-hmm. And sort of believing in me and, giving me the opportunity to show because that was my first ever gig, you know, ever mm. um, corporate exhibition, well, any exhibition for that matter, believing that he's a big supporter of women. Nice. And there are not a lot of him around. So I, you know, and and lot of there, there aren't a lot of people like him. And so I, uh, there's just certain things that I do not take for granted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and I also do not take my life for granted. I've had uh, luck and privileges that others did, may not have had. Mm-hmm. Um, some have much more than I do. And uh, But I think the impact of what I do is the most uh, exciting and yeah. joyful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which again just sips into my personal life too. Yeah. You know, because if you're happy at work, you're happy at home. Yeah, absolutely. If you're happy at home, absolutely. You're mm-hmm. Great. So that's that. Um, that's me one piece <laughs> in a nutshell, in a nutshell, as they yeah. say, in a nutshell. Yeah. So how do I become your client? How do my listeners become your client? Where can they find you? Well, um, I'm, so I'll say this, on my Instagram is just where I post anything. Mm-hmm. Anything goes on my Instagram, not purely professional. LinkedIn, yes, but I have a website too. Mm-hmm. So there is an email there, I think, inquiries, uh, whatever, it will come to me, or at least my uh, our admin will forward it. Feel free, anybody who is enthusiastic about art should reach out. Um, you know, I'm happy to push them, in, you know, to the right, into the right direction if I can't help them. Perfect. And um, mm. 
And yeah, and they don't have to have a fortune, they don't have to have multi millions in the account to contact <laughs> whatever their budget is can be accommodated. Yeah. And if I can't do it personally, I would signpost them to uh, a place where they can. Yeah. And that is all from me this time around. Thank you, Reforma DK, for sharing your story. I've shared her Instagram page and website in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you found some courage in here to pursue that dream business or project that's been on hold for far too long. Since sharing is caring, please share this episode and others with your besties. Subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kutonas Kosana Ritchie, and until next time, please do take good care.